It's the Konger. It's the big man. It's Donkey Kong on 1200XL episode 16. everybody welcome to 1200xl i'm john and i'm aaron and today aaron we're going to be talking about donkey kong oh man you know it's my favorite boat oh man now aaron before we start Mm -hmm. i'd just like to say a big thank you to bob from the atari age forums uh not only did bob replace my original broken membrane on my 1200XL Yeah, that keyboard. was a bummer. I remember Those that. membranes break like they're going out of style. How does a membrane break, exactly? Well, it's, it's made, it's out, like of, made of rubber? It's made out of really, really thin mylar. Oh, mylar? Okay? I thought this stuff was bulletproof. And, and, with it, and no, it's not. It's not, because when I took it out, it immediately shattered into a zillion pieces. So it's not bulletproof? No. Uh, but the traces on the mylar originally, they, they wear out. I they see. wear out. And so, uh, but Best Electronics in California, they make a gold-plated rubber mylar Ooh, deal. gold. I tried to install it myself. Yeah. You might be shocked to hear this, but I failed. Really? That doesn't shock me. I'm not going to lie. I shouldn't. So I sent everything to Bob over yeah. in sunny California, yeah. and he fixed it for me. A couple years later... I'm looking for some discs. Yeah. There's another guy out there that's right there with us in the chat right now. David Z sent me an Atari 1050, the Whoa. old floppy drive. Yes, yeah, sir. and yes. I was like, man, I want some. I want some discs. Right. I want some floppies yeah. to put in here. And uh, and Bob was like, hey, he had he didn't remember at all yeah. that he fixed my keyboard. And I, he was like, hey, I got I'll send you some discs. And I was like, great. And uh, and then he's like, uh, and then I was telling him I want to make all these, I want to do all these upgrades. I'm like, this is when I went through my hardware phase. You know how sometimes I go through these phases. Yeah, because normally you hate hardware. Right. And I was like, I'm going to put RGB in this thing. I'm going to put DVI. Were you going to do it? I was going to do it You're all. You're an inept boob. And then he was like, well, you're, what do you want to do all this stuff for? And I was like, well, I'm going to stream. I've got a podcast. He's like, can I see your podcast? And I was like, sure. And I said, and he's like, this is cool. And so he, and I, uh, long story short. He sent me an upgraded motherboard, 1200XL motherboard, with the video upgrade and everything Holy like that. Holy smokes. Yeah. Bob is a good cat, He's man. a good cat. Thank and, you, Bob. And I appreciate, I appreciate it. So That's nice. We're, we're doing this show for you and for David Z. Yeah. This and by the way, I've guys. got a boatload of Atari discs if you need more. All right, man. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, so, Donkey Kong, Aaron. Let's talk about it. All right, let's go. Did you ever wonder... How it got that name? Well, you probably didn't because you probably already know. Oh, I do. We're gonna. I'm gonna turn this into a Q and A, Aaron. Oh okay? man, we're no, gonna, I don't want to take a test. We're gonna see. We're gonna see how much you remember of the history of Donkey Kong. Right. So, tell me about the how Donkey Kong got its name. I, as I recall, they wanted uh, Donkey Donkey was chosen because they wanted something that meant. Stupid. Yeah. Stu stupid, stupid monkey. Stubborn. Stupid, stubborn and stubborn. And, yeah. yeah. And so that's why they went with the Donkey Kong. Uh, and I think that's a good name for him. It's funny because it's such a stupid name, <laughs> but it fits. And yeah. now you can't not think it's great because that's it's right. been that for the, the for so long. But now yeah. it just seems like, yeah, of course that's his name. I remember when it's, when I saw it in the arcade, of course, I was like, holy smokes, this is great. But I was looked at the marquee, I'm like, what the? What? Mm. Donkey Kong? <laughs> what a weird hybrid of an animal that would have been. Now, Aaron, I want to take you back. To 1981. Oh, please. I'm begging you. Please. <laughs> 1981 is famous for two things. Yeah. Okay. Donkey Kong and me. That's right. <laughs> Another stupid, stubborn <laughs> monkey was born. <laughs> so in 1981, of course, Nintendo was trying to bust into the, the American arcade market. 
And they did this with Radar Scope. Yes. Okay, Radar Scope is sort of like Space Invaders, Galaga type game. Are, have you played Radar Scope? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, it's what not do you bad. Think it's, got a, it's kind of cool looking. The graphics on it are pretty cool. It's got looking. a unique look, but yeah. it, no one would say it was breaking any new ground in terms of arcade I, I think it was. I think it was okay. It was it was it was competing in a very packed market because yeah. the, the the grand majority of arcade games at this time, whether it was Gorf, Galaxian, Galaga, Space Invaders, of course, you got Asteroids, Deluxe Space Invaders, all of these things, they, it, there just wasn't enough room in the market for them. And what happened was they shipped three thousand of these cabinets to the states. Okay, only about one thousand of them got sold. And the majority of them that did got sold went to people that didn't really, they weren't really performing. Right. So Nintendo was having trouble shifting these other 2,000 cabinets. And so Nintendo needed a plan, and that plan came from Minoru Arakawa, who was the president of Nintendo of America at that time. And what he did was he petitioned his father-in-law. He called him up. He called up Hiroshi Yamauchi, and he said, we need a game to put in these cabinets that will sell. Okay? So... Uh, what happened was, back in Kyoto, Nintendo's brilliant minds came together, and their first idea was to make a game based on the Popeye license, of course. Uh, but United Features Syndicate didn't want to give its license to what was, at the time, this no-name Japanese company. They were holding out for Atari, they were holding out for Midway. Somebody that had some name recognition. So yeah, because they United City, they got so much jack. What else did they have except for Popeye? Listen, I'm not saying it was a good idea. I mean, think about that for a minute. Listen, we're not gonna deal with you. You're too small. What else did they have? That's, United that's a serious Syndicate, question. I mean, they, didn't, did they have like Felix the Cat. I'm just saying, the, it's not like they had a, a ripping roster of cartoon classics there in 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 the 1980s. By the way, <laughs> that's true. That's Come true. Come on. So. That, when that didn't work out, Nintendo gave the go-ahead to a young developer named Shigeru Miyamoto oh, to develop my, yeah. an original game with original characters. And uh, Nintendo, or Miyamoto created a story first, which was weird, because arcade games at this time didn't really have stories. So he created a story about a carpenter, his girlfriend, and an interloping gorilla who kidnaps her. Okay? Oh, man. So the carpenter, of course, known as Jumpman, uh, later became Mario. His girlfriend, which we now know as Pauline, do you know what she was originally known as? I don't. Lady! She was just known as Lady. Lady? All That's right. it. Lady. You get high enough to sing that, but... <laughs> and uh, Lady actually had the first female speaking role in a video game. You know that little you know, help cloud bubble? Thing? Yeah. Holy smokes. The first time a, a, a female was given yeah. voice. Yeah, she gets to say help. <laughs> Once again, not, the women. I'm rush. not saying it was a great victory for feminism. Once again, <laughs> long way from Tomb Raider, yeah, but yeah, and well, in some ways, yeah, um, and of course, Donkey Kong. So just, uh, just okay. Now, Aaron, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quiz you here. All okay, right, all right, I'm ready. So uh, Mario, as you know, appears in this game as Jumpman, but it was always Miyamoto's intention that he would be like an everyman character that would that would appear in kind of bit parts. In all Nintendo's other games, kind of like Alfred Hitchcock had cameos, well, which and all he his sort films. of did in a lot of games, right? Yeah, right, but not as the. But at first, it was like you said, it was just as bit parts. It wasn't until Super Mario Brothers when he really yeah. became the main character. The one, the one that comes to mind is immediately he was the ref and punch out, right? Example. Right, the ref and punch you out, know? the ref. He was the ref in tennis. Yeah. 
Uh, he was in Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and but he wasn't. Uh, but he wasn't going to be named Mario at first. You know what his name was going to be? What was it? Mr. Video. Mr. Video. That sucks. <laughs> so Miyamoto was like, I am so glad I didn't name him Mr. Video because he yeah. would not have survived. No. <laughs> so anyway, luckily for all of us, <laughs> uh, Miyamoto scrapped the whole Mr. Video moniker and named the character Mario after Nintendo of America's what? How? Where did this come I from? I believe he was the landlord of the warehouse. That's right. Yeah. He was the landlord of the warehouse. Now, do you know who Pauline was named after? I don't. Okay, he was named after Nintendo of America's warehouse manager's girlfriend. Bam! <laughs> All of these names come from that warehouse. I love it. Okay, uh, and of course we already talked about how Donkey Kong got its name. So, anyway, back to Donkey Kong, the game. So what do you do in Donkey Kong? So, your job as Jumpman is to traverse each perilous level of the game to rescue Lady at the top from the evil clutches of the stubborn gorilla until you're finally reunited with your love, which triggers the game to loop back around at a higher difficulty. You're never really reunited with her. No. <laughs> not no, for long. Not for long. So I, I think the best way to describe Donkey Kong is one of the first ever platforming games. It wasn't the first. There was there was Space Panic. Yeah. There were a couple games that sort of were, were like platformers, but this is this is this game really set a new standard in this genre. Uh, you've got to maneuver Jumpman through a variety of all these construction-themed levels. You got to jump over pits, avoid barrels, traverse elevators. You got to climb ladders. You got to pound rivets. You're doing a lot in this yeah. game. You're not just moseying about. No, okay? no, you don't mosey. This is a game. There was nothing else like this in the arcades in 1981. When you say, I mean, you were there. No, man. When, I'm telling you, you know, I yes, I've been around. All right, but I was around when this came out, and this was a. I could not believe the graphics on this and the sound. A lot of people don't talk about the sound. It was like the sound was really good. It all worked out great. And the, 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 it also had cutscenes and stuff, which that wasn't something you saw that often. Uh, it was just, it was a leagues above what I expected. And if, if you've ever played a game like Space Panic, mm -hmm. which I have, I remember when that came out too, that was a much different, slower game that was, it was nothing like this. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, it did take place on platforms. I mean, this, when I think of something that became the modern platform, you're looking at the blueprints of it. And it was a game that's so good. That that it's still good now. Like mm -hmm. it's not like you go back and like, oh, that's quaint. This thing's still a player. It can still go, which shows you how well it was designed yeah. back in eighty, eighty one when they put this thing out. Because we still play it and talk about it in twenty twenty two. Absolutely. So, in addition to rescuing your girlfriend, you've got a score in this game. So you're 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 trying to uh, you're trying to get a high score. It's a high score game. Uh, you get points for doing all kinds of stuff. You get points for jumping over barrels. Uh, for hammering them with your bonus hammer that makes you temporarily invincible. Uh, you can hammer on the, the, what do you call, are they just fireballs? Is that the official name of these guys? Yeah. You can hammer on the fireballs. And there's also a bonus that keeps you, you know, you can also play for that bonus that ticks down. And you get bonus points for it the faster you, you finish a level. Plus, uh, plus the goodies you pick up. That's right. So Pauline has left her things scattered about these levels. There's a purse. There's a hat. There's an umbrella. You pick those up for bonus points, too. So there are lots of different ways to play Donkey Kong, wouldn't you say? Yeah, uh, uh, there is. Now, playing for points in the home versions is different than playing for points in the arcade, Explain. for example. Well, in the arcade, you can do the old point press trick where you go up and stand beside Donkey Kong, and you can just jump up and down and get points. It's sort of exploiting it. 
a bug in the game, mm-hmm. and I don't, I never could do that in this in the Atari game mm-hmm. or any of the other home ports. As far mm-hmm. as I know, none of them did it. Of course, you're exploiting something in the arcade machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, uh, if you think about when Donkey Kong came out, uh, and then so what happened? They tried to port this thing to consoles that were nowhere near powerful enough to even come close. Like I'm talking stuff like your Atari or your Intellivision, who could gave it a good college try. It took the ColecoVision to put together a really rocking port of this game. And then, uh, if, you, if you think about it, uh, when did the 8-bit machines come out? They've been out since the 70s, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, you're really effectively, you're playing this particular game that we're talking about today on a machine that predates all the other machines that couldn't handle it. Which right. just shows you how powerful and capable the Atari machines were. Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about each stage in Donkey Kong. Because right. I think each one is kind of iconic. Yes. Okay, the first stage is a, it resembles a construction site. Yes. You've got steel girders that are laid horizontally across the stage, and you traverse these by climbing up ladders. So Kong's at the top of the screen, he's hurling down uh, barrels at the player, and you've got to contend with those and the fireballs, climb the ladders, get to the top. What's your strategy on this level, Aaron? I run, I just basically try to get to the top through the shortest route. Uh, you don't, and you try to stay in a position where you're going to have to jump in an awkward way. Mm-hmm. You don't want to face two barrels that are, a, a, say, a barrel or two's length apart. Uh, and you uh, just try to get up to the top. That's my my goal on the on the Atari version of this is just to get to the top as directly as possible. I never use the hammers. Uh, I never I never dawdle. I go right to the top. Okay. Now, the second level of the game, this is where the, the Japanese version and the American version, I guess, are different. Because the, the second level, they, they list in the docks is the pie factory level, the, right. the, the cement factory level. Most people call it the pie factory level, yeah. but it's really a cement factory. You've got to climb the five-story structure to complete that level. What do you do on that, on it, Aaron? You know, by the way, just to get into it a little bit, the, the Japanese version has always made more sense to me. Because in the American version, you rescue... Uh, you rescue Pauline on the second level, and there are two more levels to go. In that rescue, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So that level, the girder, what they call the uh, uh, rivet level, should be the last right, level. Right. But, but in America, they moved it to the second level. I, I assume it's because they thought it was easier than the cement factory and the elevator level. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it, I guess it is, uh, but it made more sense in Japan. Uh, but in terms of the, the, that level. It's funny, another difference in the arcade is like in the American version of that, when you get to the top of the, the level of the gir- of the uh, pie factory, the ga- the level ends. Uh, in the Japanese version, you have to actually climb the ladder to get to Pauline on that level. So there's a difference there mm. as well. Uh, in the home version, uh, you just have to get to the top. Uh, there's Because they didn't have enough room to basically put the extra platforms up there. This is another one where you want to be as fast as you can because the f- quicker you get up there, the less, uh, the less fireballs you have to contend with as they're coming out of the barrel. Uh, this is one you set to get up there as quick as you can. Yeah. Now, this third stage is the uh, is the bane of my existence. I hate this stage. This yeah. is the elevator stage. Yeah. Okay, how do you tackle this one? This one's not too bad if you're patient. Now, some people will get to the first area with the first fireball and then leap on an elevator and leap, make a real tricky leap. Uh, to a very small platform, especially in the 8-bit version here. The platform is real small that you have to jump on. I usually take the long route because I'm not usually in a hurry. Because I usually try to just play for as long as I can. I'm not really worried about the bonus. Uh, the hardest part of this level, really there's only one thing on this level that's hard. And that's the uh, jackhammer at the top, the pogo stick, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, that pops down. 
Uh, at first, you're only going to be fighting one of these, but he does vary on the on the 1200XL version, so it's not the same path every time. So you can't assume you know where it's going to be. You've got to watch where it bounces first to know where to set your, your jump man up to where it'll bounce over you. But as long as your timing is good, at least the first couple levels, you should be okay. But as the game goes on, this is the level that takes you out because yeah. it's the, eventually you get more of those jackhammers and they bounce faster. And it's that is and, it, and on this particular uh, machine, it's particularly difficult up there because this game tends to run fast anyway. So mm -hmm. you really have to be super quick. Right, right. And of course, the final level is the rivet level. I, like you said, it makes so much more sense in the Japanese version because you've reached the top of the building essentially, yeah. and you have to either jump or run over a series of rivets on five platforms to uh, make Donkey Kong fall to the to his death essentially. Yeah, and uh, and then you rescue Pauline for a very brief time until the game loops around again. It's very cute. They play a little song and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I always like this. This level in the arcade, if you're if you're particularly skilled. In fact, I saw Flack do this a couple weeks ago in his stream. You can trap all the fireballs on the outer parts of the level, and you can go up and point press beside Donkey Kong until the round ends if you want to. Of course, you can't do that in the home version. Uh, this is one I usually go from the bottom to the top and just go in order and do the roots. But, I mean, there are different methods to this. I In the old days, I used to do all of one side, then go do all That's of the what other. I do. But I stopped doing that. I, you know, I, I'm a pretty good hand at, at doing the jumps in mm -hmm. this, and so I usually uh, just take it as it comes. The hardest thing to do is get those last two roots on top. Uh, that's where those fireballs kind of camp out. Mm -hmm. So you got to hope when you get to the top, you can get the you can get the hammer and then coax them down so you can whack them. Otherwise, it may take some timing and a death-defying jump there at the end to get that last rivet. Yeah, yeah. So would you say you have a favorite stage out of all four? Well, yeah, I, I, I would probably say. I mean, I love all the stages. And my favorite, I mean, the one I'm. I mean, really, the opening stage is iconic. You know, it's. I mean, I've got a poster of it over here. It's beautiful. It's clever. The whole bar rolling the barrels downhill. You know, it's a classic. I mean, really, it's the only time in the game that Donkey is throwing rivets around, and so I mean, throwing barrels around, and so you. It. it it's just that's probably the one I would pick. Would be the very first one. So, Aaron, this game was ported uh, to every computer console under the sun. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the most notable port, like you mentioned, was the ColecoVision version. Uh, that was undoubtedly the system's killer app. I mean, that's that that thing sold yeah. ColecoVision like it was one of the I, I contend it's the greatest packet of all time. Although you can make a case that another uh, Nintendo property, uh, Super Mario, would be the greatest They're close. Yeah. They're close. They're close. If Space Invaders would have been a packet on the 2600, that would have been up there too. But Although they had a great a one too. Combat was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and I liked it more than Space Invaders. Space Invaders was very good. Um, now, uh, what do you, is do you think that the ColecoVision port is your favorite home version of Donkey Kong? No. I, you know, really, it's funny. This week I played several different versions. Um, I grew up playing the color computer version, the Donkey King, right, which I thought was great, and still think it's great. But I mean, if you want the one that is as close to the internet or the arcade as you can get, it's probably going to be the NES version, which is just outstanding. It's quite—I know you're familiar, very familiar with it. I think it's quite good. But the the problem is, it doesn't have all the stages. It's—I'm just saying. It, but I mean, in terms of being like the same timing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And one thing you're not going to get with any version is—I mean, just for example, there are there are set patterns to the way these stages start. The way the barrels come down, 
and the Atari uh, 8-bit version doesn't, none of the versions do the same thing the arcade does. So playing this in the arcade, you can't take your patterns or your uh, uh, the way things work there and bring them home. I will say, the funny thing about the 1200 version or the 8-bit uh, uh, version is, the Co I played the Donkey King on the Coco. It ran slow. This one, I think, runs too fast. What you need is a nice, happy medium, and the Nintendo's version is right there in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's about the right speed. I will say, playing this on the 8-bits, it's like playing almost like, it's like the turbo version of Donkey Kong. It really moves quick. Yeah. Now, Aaron, we, we would be remiss if we didn't take some time and compare the Atari 8-bit version with the Coco version, Donkey King. Now, Aaron... Uh, what would you say are the main differences between the Coco version and the Atari 8-bit version? Well, speed is one major difference. Mm -hmm. uh, the 8-bit the, the version for Atari is really fast, but you can tell if you're watching from home, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the Coco version, ha the levels are made up like they are in the arcade. Same amount of levels of girders, uh, and the, pretty much the same setup. And so... What you've got here is a more arcade authentic pattern. Now, uh, does it look better? I'd say no. Uh, does it play better? I'd say it's it, dep it depends on your play style. If you don't mind it being slower, it, you know, I will say after playing the 8-bit Atari version and come back and playing Donkey King, it feels like you're running molasses. Mm -hmm. It's so slow, but it does Donkey King does have the little uh, the little things I enjoy that they kind of leave out of the Atari version, uh, uh, stuff like Don Donkey Kong going away with the girl mm -hmm. and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and having all the levels, all the platforms set out, it was quite an achievement, especially if you consider the the Coco uh, is limited in some in some ways in that the Atari is not. Uh, but I like them both. Now I know you've raised a lot of fuss over this over the years, but I mean deep down you've got a lot of admiration for both of these versions, don't you? You know I do. I think that it's insane that anybody would prefer Donkey King to the Atari 8-bit version of Donkey Kong because I'm a player that likes games that move. Yeah. Okay. And that is the and, big difference. And speed is everything to me. And so like the the amount of girders on the first level means less than nothing to me. Now, I do enjoy, like you said, when he when he climbs, when he takes Pauline over his shoulder and climbs the ladder. Yeah. That's cool, but that's not the game. That's not playing the game. You know? But, I mean, the game plays well. It just it plays as slower clip. Yeah, it does. It if plays as a slower speed, clip. You could probably speed this up artificially. Well, you could do all kinds of things, but right. there's no reason to ever play Donkey King again now that there's the transcode out there. Yeah. You just play the real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but... It's good to, and this is, if nothing else, this is an example of how great the unofficial port scene was on the Coco. Yeah. Because I'm sure if there ever was an official port of this for the Coco, it would not be nearly as good as the Tom Mix software. This one was so good that they got they got in trouble. Mm -hmm. and they had to change the name uh, because this was too too reminiscent of what. And just if you think about it, this is the Coco. So someone somewhere thought enough of it to where they said, hey. You know, you got you got to mix that up. But yeah. uh, of the two, if I had to play one, it would be a t it would be tough. I, I I would probably pick the Coco version because I'm more familiar with it. 
but the 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 eight uh, bit version is quite good. Yeah, yeah. Now this game, of course, reviewed very well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, scores mostly in the nineties in the Atari uh, magazines, uh, coming hot on the heels of uh, some real duds like the port of Pac Man, which had no cutscenes. Yeah, uh, the abomination that was the Atari eight bit Space Invaders. These were lazy. And yeah, it's funny. Space Invaders on the eight bit should have been. The uh, crowning glory. Yeah, because on, yeah. on the 2600, it was solid gold right, money. Right. So there's no reason for it to not be right. awesome. So finally, Atari Soft uh, nailed this conversion yeah, head on. they did good. Uh, let's check out what the Discord community had to say, Aaron. We got a couple reviews on this. Uh, we're going to start things off with Pajaco6502. He says, a fairly solid home port of the arcade game. However, I never quite get why some 8-bit ports and clones have six platforms on level 2 like the arcade, and some like this have five. True, I can get screen estate is an issue, but it seems odd. Uh, that does not make this a bad port by any means. It's quite playable, although I am convinced that having less platforms makes the game slightly harder as you have less time for the barrels to get to you. Graphically, the game is pretty good, although the 2018 hacked version improved the visuals, including cheering up the most depressed-looking Donkey Kong I've ever seen. Yes. And if you've not seen that, that is officially the most popular video we have ever released on our channel. Yeah. There is a uh, port comparison of the 2018 Atari 8-bit Donkey Kong uh, with the original. Check that out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Pajaka goes on to write, Overall, given that this was the closest most people would have had to the arcade, I would have been very happy to own this one 9 out of 10. Yes, absolutely. He leaves a little side note. He says, I took this version of Donkey Kong to show... It took this version of Donkey Kong to show me that on the elevator level with the jumping girders, that they never fall down the exact same route every time. For years, I thought they did, and they changed it in this version. <laughs> Flack. Rob Flack O'Hara writes... Like many home ports of Donkey Kong, Atari made a few concessions to get this classic vertically oriented arcade game to run on a horizontal computer monitor. Even though the first level is missing a platform and a few corners were cut, Atari captured the essence of the arcade game. Overlooking the shape of the fire barrels, which look like a cross between piles of dog poo and California raisins, <laughs> it's easy to do when a game plays as smoothly as this one does. I didn't have any issues with getting stuck on ladders or other control issues that frequently pop up in Donkey Kong ports. Yeah. The music and sound effects resembled the arcades and weren't grating. I certainly wouldn't have been disappointed to own this version back in the early 80s. Very good. I will say, speaking of the fireballs, on the Atari version, the fireballs are real, especially on that first level is where I mean them. They're real aggressive in those later levels. They come much quicker than the arcade they come up. Mm -hmm. And I will say that it's the same on the Kogo version. They, they're really coming after you. Mm -hmm. And one thing that this and, and the Donkey King have in common is there were, most home ports didn't include those last couple screens. Mm -hmm. And so that is that shows you that Atari was like, listen, we got to do something here instead of this lazy crap. Right. we got to put something on the, on the platform that shows that this is a superior platform for games mm -hmm. and that it can handle things that other systems can't. And uh, I think they did a good job in that department as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Aaron, I looked this up on eBay. By the way, this was released in a silver box. I kind of consider this to be the second generation of Atari computer games. Yeah. The first ones had those great Cliff Spawn uh, illustrations, you know, the people, those really inventive illustrations. These, This is when you start to see Atari slide down the old lazy path. Yeah. And they uh, they just take basically a, a screen, or, you know, it's basically an image from the side art of the Donkey Kong machine. So it looks good. It looks good. It looks good. But they kept the, the metal, the metal uh, cartridge. 
cartridge housing for, yeah. for this run. Um, I have this cartridge. Uh, I picked I it up. At, I picked it up at the Milton Flea Market. I picked mine up at the Hillbilly Flea Market. There um, you go. And uh, you can get this thing all day long on eBay, about twenty bucks. Uh, really? It's yeah. going for that much now? Yeah, it's going for that much. I picked it up much. for like two bucks. Well, yeah, I, I, I paid less than a dollar yeah. for mine. Um, but here's the thing, guys. This is the secret, okay? If you want to buy Atari 8-bit software or hardware, don't look on eBay. No. Go to Best Electronics. Best-electronics.ca, I think is the name. That might not be the name of it because that would make it Canadian. Anyway, just search Best Atari. Um, and uh, there's this guy. He's, he's sort of not the easiest person to deal with all the time. Uh, but he has a huge warehouse. I picture it like the thing that the 8-bit guy and uh, LGR went to, that place in Texas. I picture it like the, the end of Indiana Jones, the first yeah, one. Remember yeah. that, Raiders of the Lost Ark? And he has everything, and it's way, way cheaper yeah. than you can get on eBay. He's so. renowned and well-known in the Atari community. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. And so, uh, anyway, you can you can check out... Uh, you get, That's where I got my Mylar from. I've got software from him before. Uh, he's got this sealed inbox right now for 46 bucks plus Man, shipping. Hey, Wendy, that's yeah. where you get it. Yeah, yeah. Now, Aaron, it's time to bid a fond farewell to Donkey Kong and talk about what game we're going to be playing next time on 1200XL. What is it, Aaron? Bam, another arcade classic boat. Jungle, it's the Jungle Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, yeah. I love this game. You know, yeah. I haven't spent a lot of time with Jungle Hunt, so this is a good excuse for me to really dive in there. There you go. Yeah. Another game where you rescue your lady from uh, distress. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, listeners, we want to hear your feedback. Uh, please, please feel free to leave us a comment on YouTube, and uh, if you could leave us a review on your podcast service of choice, we'd really appreciate it. 1200XL is available in both audio podcast and video format on YouTube at the Amigos Retro Gaming channel. Or you can just go to bit.ly slash 1200XL and you can see the entire playlist, the whole run of 1200XL episodes for you. We record this show live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. If you like our format and you want to hear more, feel free to check out our other shows. We've got Amigos, Everything Amiga, Iris Sinclair, an American take on the ZX Spectrum, The Coco Show, gaming on the Tandy Color Computer, and ARG Presents where Aaron and the Brent spin the wheel and make the deal. All those links are in the show notes. So, thank you so much for watching and or listening. We will see you next time for Jungle Hunt. Make sure you play your Atari today.